powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome, welcome to Game Over Montreal. As usual, when Mark is here with me, we're going straight to the two-camera mode because uh, why waste time? We already wasted our time watching that performance from the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, let's just get straight into it. We're going to talk about a few things tonight. Most of all, the debut of one Owen Beck. Unfortunately, the Canadiens couldn't make it. A very memorable one for him, though memorable for his parents, I'm sure. But before we get into the show, think you know which way it's going to go. Make your bet with Sports Interaction, whether it's hockey, football, or basketball. Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. You want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, Mark. Uh, I think we're going to keep it pretty short tonight because, let's be real, that was uh, not a banner performance from the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to put the same amount of effort as the Habs did. That's Yeah, well, here, here's the thing. I think Hi, the Claire. result Sorry. tonight... The result tonight was incredibly unlucky overall. The, like, I, I actually five, genuinely thought they, they played well until it got away the third, from them. Yeah. The, until the third period. Like, I thought the first period, they absolutely manhandled Ottawa. I know it wasn't that way by the shot count, but by the chance count, by the mm-hmm. expected goal count, it was completely all, all Montreal Canadiens. They hit the post three times in that first period, That's five it. times in the game. So close. Doc missed an open net. You know, like it could have been Dvorak uh, missed a, a pretty easy one too. There, yeah, it, it, yeah. If if not for that's the thing with the Canadians, right? They don't have the talent to to make up for not taking advantage of their opportunities, right? So that's that's what we saw t- tonight. Yeah, it, it was it was bad uh, to see that kind of effort wasted. We know Ottawa played last night. I think that's yeah. what makes yeah, that's... The, the the third period to me was egregious and inexcusable. Yeah. They didn't have a shot until like four or five minutes left in the period. One of the things that I noticed, and, and I mean, it's almost embarrassing at this point, but you know when we talk about how good the Laval line has been, and they have been excellent, probably not their best night tonight, but overall, it's embarrassing to some of the other players in the lineup just how much effort, more effort that fourth line is, is producing than you know the rest of the team combined. And it just goes to show, you know, it, it's funny, we talk about talent a lot, but at the basis of it, and this is why they're so good at grinding in the AHL, it's it's all about, you know, effort, effort, effort. And we're seeing that with that fourth line. It's great, but it's quite the juxtaposition with the rest of the lineup. So, yeah, I thought, again, they really showed the most medal out of all Canadians players. And um, it, that's a good and a bad thing, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they were the best line tonight, though. The, the Actually, Doc you know line okay, was sorry. incredible. Kirby Doc's line was was fantastic. I'm talking about like, just like overall effort though. Yeah, but I mean like Doc, I thought he had great effort tonight. I thought Hoffman had his best game in a in a long time. Like we're not we haven't been highly critical of Hoffman, but I thought he was really on it tonight. Um I didn't <laughs> like Mike Matheson's decision making with the puck tonight. Okay, I can I can off. I say something because I, is Mike Matheson's only like one-on-one. He's like Jeff Petrie, he's not good one-on-one, but all he does is just like cross-check guys in the face one-on-one. That's his only play defending the rush, right? Well, I thought the you're talking about the one with the was it Debrinket in the first period where yeah. he kind of like knocked him in the head. I thought that he kind of just pushed him with the glove more than anything. Like to me, it's just funny because that's, that's like his one like move borderline. is just body. No matter what, yeah. forget the puck, go for the body. 
which is pretty for fun sure. to see. Yeah. So for everyone in the chat, and by the way, thank you for joining us. Cause that's, I, I wouldn't have blamed anyone if they didn't join us tonight, but uh, we're seeing all our regulars. Miss Epica is here as well. Who's awesome. Um, we're seeing, we're seeing obviously paper dolls and UC and Claire anyways, cheers to everyone. Thank you so much for joining us and let us know what you thought about Owen Beck. Cause we're going to get into that. Right, Andrew. I mean, to me, there was sure. a lot that we saw tonight that really um, excited me about the future. And there's some parallels because you were talking about Kirby Doc being good. I saw some parallels between Owen Beck and Kirby Doc. So we're going to get into that as well. Yeah. And obviously, like Owen Beck didn't have the greatest performance tonight. I think it's a tough thing to do. I thought he we looked have to good. Put in I perspective. thought he looked really good. Yeah, he looked fine to me. I don't think he stuck out really, but he's also an 18 year old trying to make the jump from junior to the NHL in the middle of his junior yeah. season at 18. Essentially, like it's just it's not an easy situation. Yesterday, um, and it was basically the, the, the Habs saying like, hey, we're sending a car. You know, that was it. Like, hey, by the way, yep. we're sending a car to Port Hope right now. And uh, we're going to it'll it'll bring you to Ottawa. So that's as much time as he had to prepare. But what I really liked, Andrew, is um, I felt like obviously there's a lack of chemistry between those three. And I did like the fact that they put Dvorak in his line, right? Even though Owen Beck's great at faceoffs, I didn't check his final faceoff numbers. But, you know, you still even though he's probably the best guy outside of the NHL in faceoffs and in, in, in all hockey, you don't want to, you know, drown him on his first game. But what I really liked, because tonight what we saw from Kirby Doc was why he should be a center, right, Andrew? Because his controlled exits, right? I mean, that was nice to see. And I saw a few of those with Owen Beck as well. And, and the chemistry wasn't quite there because you saw Yulunen and, and Dvorak were trailing a lot. But he had several controlled entries. And that is something that bodes very well for the future. Because we talk about who can help the Canadians. And we're looking at guys like Doc, guys like um, Monaghan. Why? They're great in transition. So Owen Beck being good in transition is is all is great news. Um, I believe he's like the fourth or fifth best in the entire CHL when it comes to generating exits and entries. So that is pretty exciting for the Montreal Canadiens because you want a possession guy, you want a guy with good vision, uh, intelligent, and that that's what Owen Beck does. Like he strikes all all the check marks for a, a good future NHL center. Obviously, you know. You wouldn't have called him up if it was an emergency situation, but overall, I liked what he showed for his potential long term with the Canadians. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: it's hard to be an NHL player at 18, even 19, and and to have yeah. to jump up into a team that you know you're playing with guys you've never played before, played with before. You've maybe had a morning skate, you haven't had a real practice. You don't really know. Like, it's his fourth team this year, technically. Like, <laughs> yeah, and like he's also been a little bit uh, like in terms of production, struggling with Peterborough, right? Like since that trade. So yeah, there's only so much that you can expect from a guy like that. And to me, just watching him play and seeing no major mistakes, he kept up with the flow of play. He was anticipating things relatively well. Mm -hmm. That's good news to me. I, I don't. Yeah. I didn't expect him to come in and score a hat trick, kind of thing, right? Or like. He's not a guy like uh, you see what impact Ridley Gregg has had in Ottawa, right? Where he's he's an NHL ready player who's getting his first bump up. That's not what's happening with Owen Beck. This is no, th this an was just a good experience recall. for yeah. Owen Beck, so, right? It's kind of like the cherry on the top of his year, exactly. And it's like it, it's a reward for how much he's put in this year, right? And yeah. how good he was in training camp. What a good uh, like scholastic player he is. All that stuff put together. Uh, I hope he gets a little bit more ice time in his next game. Although I will say he wasn't the least used uh, 
forward tonight. <laughs> he got so more that's, ice that's time good. in his NHL debut than his Team Canada debut. So, I mean, we can't really, uh, uh, you know, argue there. Hey, he was using the third line as well. Although, I don't know if you can number the lines anymore. It's Suzuki's line and Doc's line and then the rest. But yeah. um, what I really, yeah, as as Johnny Hockey says, I think he was one of the, the bright spots tonight just because he didn't look out of place, Andrew. And you bring up a really good point when you're talking about what he had to deal with this year. Don't forget, like from training camps, you're going from, you know, uh, OHL to training camp, back to the OHL, you get traded. So then you have to go learn the Pete's. And in the meantime, you have the Team Canada thing and then you're back in the NHL. Like it's just, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, I don't want to curse him, but when Ryan Paling first jumped into the NHL, so he had all these things. He was AHL, injury, you know, he had just been done with the World Juniors. He went to Laval. It was really, really a lot to process. I feel like um, Owen Beck's a guy that can process that a little bit better. He's not going to get too, too excited. I think he had some nerves starting the game, but overall, it's just, to me, it was showing that what can happen in two and three years when he's really found his rhythm. Don't forget, Andrew, this is a guy who... During the pandemic, he, you know, he had to come to Montreal to practice to find ice. So, like, he lost one of his crucial development years as well. Um, all in all, I'd say, like, you know, you give him a, a like a B plus on his start because, you know, he didn't do too much. But at the same time, I think the rest of the Canadians struggled. So, uh, yeah, I call it a very successful entry into the NHL for uh, for Owen Beck. Yeah, it's not like I said, it's not a situation where we expected him to come in and light it up. Exactly. So. All good news for Owen Beck. And, you know, you're talking about two, three years. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a team next year. Well, the only well, okay. thing working against him right now, in my estimation, is the Canadians have a possibility of being overloaded with centers. Or you've got Suzuki Doc. No, we say that every year and it never happens. <laughs> well, no. I mean, frankly, this year they kind of have a lot of centers, right? If Doc, Monaghan wasn't out. Suzuki, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, I mean, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, even right now, Dvorak's playing wing in this game, right? Yeah, they are yeah. kind of overloaded with centers. Jake Evans is injured. Sean Monahan's injured. They have a lot of flexibility down the middle that they haven't had yeah. for, what, 20 years? Now, the good part is if you're a center, you can play wing, right? That's that's basically the logic there. And and one of the reasons he might have... Okay, so when we look back at the, um, at the trade for Peterborough... Why do you trade an 18-year-old center who's just coming into his own? And the Steelheads weren't in that bad of a position. But the reason they traded him is because they don't think he's coming back next year. You know, that was the biggest takeaway from that trade was that they do not believe Owen Beck will be back in the NHL. And when I speak to his agent or he's speaking to a member of the Canadians management, I don't think they're doing it on purpose, but all of them are kind of speaking with you know, assuming that he's going to be playing professional hockey next year. So, um, yeah, it just goes to show how cerebral this guy is and and how confident they are in his ability to parse information. Because, again, Andrew, the amount of information he's absorbed has been ridiculous. So I really don't get the sense he'll be back in the OHL next year. And, and hey, if he, if he has to spend time in Laval, that's great as well. But, I, yeah, um, I don't think he can spend time in oh, Laval. At 19, he's is he not? Uh, is it still not? Got to be 20. Okay, Unless so you're it's, European. So it's nine, yeah, nine games and back or nothing. Well, then that's a little riskier, um, you know. But again, the Canadians by offering them entry level contract was were already pushing them to the front of the line, you know, in terms of NHL ready prospects. Yeah, it, it, he is like just an incredibly rounded player. That's like the the best way I could describe. Him. I still will make the Jeff Halpern comparison. I know that's not an exciting name. But if you've watched Jeff Halpern before, if you remember him on the Canadians, the dude smart. just gets things done. Smart. smart, He's smart, gets things done, can play up and yeah. down the lineup. 
Um, also, also one of the first guys to point out that plus minus was a terrible stat because he was one of the guys that was being used, uh, you know, uh, defensively and he'd be on like for the penalty kill and then goals would come in right after. Uh, yeah. So Jeff Halpern smart in more ways than one. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, I know that we talked in the off season or like uh, preseason about when Owen Beck would make his NHL debut. We'd have Lauren Kelly on the show, who is the yes. first person to bring up Owen Beck on game over montreal last year mm-hmm. uh unfortunately lauren is at the lightning game today in tampa so she I was talking make it. to her yeah because however was, yeah <laughs> she'll be with us on monday or awesome. tuesday tuesday when the senators are playing the canadians again she'll be on with uh, ian bovair and myself so she'll be able to talk about owen beck oh. and give us the lowdown uh, Eric Engels just tweeted that Beck is going back to the OHL tonight. Oh, that Which, sucks. That, that doesn't surprise me, though, because one of the main reasons that uh, Peterborough, all, he was only going to miss one game with the Peets, right? Because they only had one game this weekend. So that doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me too, too much. But, um, uh, you know, the fun part is here is one a little inside thing. I got I, I got the news a little bit ahead of other people just because I, I, I know a few people in the Beck family and just the reaction from the Beck family. You saw it tonight. Those were watching. Uh, I, it was a Sportsnet or TSN. Anyways, you know, his father, Dave, was just kind of over overflowing with emotion. I love seeing that because like all his success is is the work of his his family. Right. You know, it takes a, it takes a village. So that to me, the fact that it was in Ottawa, because, again, Port Hope is about three hours you know, south of Ottawa or, 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 or two and a half if you're in a real rush. Uh, just the fact that his whole family got to go there. And they travel well. In Buffalo, at the pro- at the uh, the tournament, uh, prospect tournament, there were like 20 Becks there. You know, it was just a whole lot of Becks. So uh, they travel well, and it's just nice to see, you know, the family get to enjoy it without having to spend too much money to go to, let's say, Columbus. You know, it's same province, the closest team. That was great as well. Yeah, 100%. And I, I will say... Mrs. Beck had the Owen Beck jersey. Mr. Beck had a Carey Price jersey, which was kind of funny. That's hilarious. Now, I will say this for a fact. Um, that's, yeah, Mr. Dave, who um, he grew up a Leafs fan, right? Obviously, you know, in that area. But the moment, the day his son got drafted, because they were in Montreal, he went straight to the pro shop and got an Owen Beck Habs jersey and immediately put away all his Leafs jerseys. So he's converted. That's the good news. He does have an Owen Beck jersey, but... You know, um, hey, man, uh, Carey Price is pretty fun to represent as well. <laughs> 100%. All right. Um, I'm trying to think of other things to talk about this game. Oh, I did have one thing. I mean, obviously, uh, people were freaking out about Arbor Jack. I, I feel like he was more unlucky than bad yes, tonight. 100%. But uh, I, I, I have the right decisions, actually. And he's been more successful in other games where he made the worst, de- the, 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 you know, the wrong decision. So. I'm not worried about him at all, honestly. And I was really worried, Andrew, that his first 20 games was a bit of, you know, kind of not bullshit, but just him overperforming. And, and it, it hasn't been the case. He's maintained numbers that are better than half the defensive core. So I'm not yeah, I think he's he's grown as the season has gone on. You, you've seen things that he struggled with early on. Uh, he stopped doing like he doesn't chase the puck as much anymore behind the net and his stick positioning in the defensive zone is a little bit better. He's still got a ways to go to be like mm-hmm. a fully rounded guy, but he, he's taken on information. Like we talked about with, with uh, Owen Beck and he's processed it. Like he's a guy that yep. works really hard to get where he is. Just but making I, a jump from the OHL to the NHL as an undrafted defenseman. I think it's, I, I think it's literally never happened before. I, I don't think that's ever happened. The only guy that's done it close is Marty McSorley back in the day. And he was a forward, right? Yeah, it's it's a 
pretty damn rare phenomenon, right? Yeah, absolutely. And he he's earned everything that he's gotten to this point and he will continue to. But yeah. like I'm not I'm not gonna get on him for falling down at the blue line and no. No, no, a no, puck no. going in off his skate. I mean, I guess like the third one was a bit rough because it was a turnover in the offensive zone. He didn't that, stand out as, as the cause or the catalyst. Perhaps he was the last no. person on the scene. So wrong place, wrong time. But no, if anything, um, I would suggest Justin Barron probably had his worst game in a long time. But Oh, see, I thought Mike Matheson was the oh, one okay, who had yes, the worst game. That's fair. That's fair. I was looking at the young guys. But Justin Barron until tonight, I think he's been, we haven't spoken enough about how good he's been. Just in controlled exits tonight, a bit of a rough game. But yeah, Matheson yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, I think Barron struggles a bit more with like speed. Like uh, guys coming at him really fast off the. It's rush, his gap but... control. He. It's funny because at, at Dev Camp, it was Adam Nicholas was working with him, and he, he kept. You were doing these really weird drills, but it was all about maintaining a tighter gap. You know, as they're entering, because he was saying Baron's fast, but it was almost a little bit like Anderson, where you got to control where he's going. Like it's good that you have that talent, but now we have to harness it and put it in the right place. So you know, it, it, there's some learning to do. With uh, Justin Barron, rough game, but overall, I with think. all the rookies, right? It's there's it's all it, it's never going to be a linear upswing, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be ups and downs as they go along their development curve. But I did have one other thing that I wanted to talk about with in regards to this game, and mm-hmm. I know that he doesn't exactly have many options, but I gotta question Martin St. Louis' decision making on the top line. Like we know, Nick Suzuki is not at a hundred percent. And, you know, I kind of wish he wasn't going to the All-Star game so he could fully rest. Jeez. But uh, the Rem Pit, like Josh Anderson thing, I, do- I don't get the logic of it. Because they're two guys who their entire game relies on speed. And Nick Suzuki is not the fastest skater. No, but he Nick Suzuki is all about the- controlling the, the, the game, not just... Yeah, like- he controls yeah. the flow of the game. So he can slow things down or speed it up at will... Neither of those guys can cycle, which is where he, you know, is his bread and butter. Neither of those guys can anticipate intelligent plays, which is what Suzuki needs, like people to be on his level. I don't get it. I don't get it. You're absolutely right. One of them, the the Suzuki is all about, um, well, I don't want to play, say the whole checkers chess thing, but those other two guys are all about just pure skill and, and reactionary what's already like what they're but whereas Suzuki's about anticipation right as about looking like for the next step opening up passing lanes and I'll say Rem Pitlick actually looked pretty good Josh Anderson as I told you I texted Andrew during the game I'm like man if hockey was one-on-one Josh Anderson it would be Wayne Gretzky because like that's all he does is just tears off on his own one-on-one but um you know right now I think I don't know what kind of changes you can do if you're Martin Saint Louis. We we I'll say Not this. a lot. You, you know, we can talk about people are saying I, I saw on Twitter they wanted Yulinen on the first line. I'll be honest. I, there's been flashes from Yulinen, but every single line he's played on has been statistically speaking the worst for the Canadians. And he has a really hard time when he's off the puck. I think that's his biggest issue, especially in the neutral and defensive zone. So when we talk about successful starts, I don't think Yulinen's actually raised his risen his stock has risen since he joined the canadians unfortunately and and i don't know who else you try on that top line right like you know maybe now would have been the time he would have tried your Slavkovsky, but uh, it's a little too late for that unfortunately that's, that's the thing right like i'm criticizing martin st louis but at the same time what options does he have left like there's just exactly. not a lot of moving around that you can do mm-hmm. now there's speculation that because beck is going back that maybe there's like somebody coming back into the lineup before uh, the 
the uh, all-star break here. Well, then your options are Gallagher, Monaghan, and um, Dwayne, I guess. But Dwayne was supposed to be after all-star, and so was Gallagher. Yeah, so... Monaghan. Ar- Armia, maybe? Maybe Monaghan? No, he was, I think Armia was after all-star as well. <laughs> Ms. Abigail no. says, I look tired. I hope everything's okay. I mean, I am tired. It's, it's mostly just been a long day. It's, it's funny because I sat down. young children. I sat down and I'm like, oh man, Andrew, I, li- I didn't sleep last night. I had a really rough night. I'm like, man, you know, me, me, guy who's single, I get to do whatever I want when I want. You know, when I want to leave my house, I put my shoes on and I leave, you know, as opposed to Andrew with his children. And Andrew was just like, yeah, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Like, <laughs> I feel so bad for you. <laughs> no, I actually had like a decent sleep last night. It was just like short in duration. But yeah. it was like solid, so I probably look worse than I am. It's just yeah. been like a, a long day of handling temper tantrums and all exactly. that stuff. So Rock Smasher brings up a good point here about the who who else they could have possibly they might call up. So Joshua Roy is another option. Um, I think if Sherbrooke was closer to Ottawa, it probably would have been Joshua Roy. Now, don't forget, um. Peterborough had to approve this for Owen Beck. So the Canadians right. can't just go and say, okay, there's a bunch of rules. You have to have two guys on emergency recall. Um, it's five games max. Actually, Miss Epica, who's awesome in our chat, was put up all the information. And um, you can only miss one game. So yeah, Joshua Hua is probably the closest guy right now if you're gonna try anyone. And Philip Meshaw, you want to kind of let him get his 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 um find his bearings in, in Kitchener. But um Rua would be an interesting option because so far this year, all we've seen is he gets bored sometimes in Sherbrooke, but when the game's on the line, when they're playing against like the Rampart de Quebec or Team Canada or, you know, important games, Roy rises to the occasion. Um, he even, he was shut out a couple nights ago. They had a really good game. It was the goalie, which is dominant. So Joshua Roy could be an interesting option. And it would be, you know, we talk about Owen Beck having a great year. Joshua Roy is having a pretty good year as well. Yeah, he, he is having a great year. And I mean, after that World Juniors, obviously he was on everybody's radar, right? Okay. Uh, I don't know if he I don't know if they're going to have another emergency recall. I think the the more likely scenario is either they're going to play a man down heading into I the All-Star that. game. I hate that. I hate that. I hate or or somebody's going to be ready. Too. Uh, okay, I'll be perfectly honest and I know I used to work for the team, but I think it's really bush league for over a week to run with 11 forwards and three of those forwards I'm not I don't I'm not going to start naming names but are clearly injured. Like that, it's a little bush yeah. league, if I'm being perfectly honest. And I don't want to blame Martin Saint Louis here. I think that falls on Kent Hughes. Kent Hughes, throughout the entire year, it's all been, up, been about the trade deadline. And one of the reasons they're not bringing up guys or claiming guys, because they want their um, cap hit to grow or their, their cap space to grow. And don't forget, it grows exponentially, right? So it's every game um, it'll add. But I think that's actually been to the detriment of the players in the lineup. You know, they're, we all know the Canadians don't want to win, but. You still have to give them a fighting chance, and it's it's losing is fine, but losing when you don't have all the troops behind you and and the general that's way back at base has access to other troops. That's a little bit different. So I hate the idea of going with eleven forwards for more than more than one game. I really think it's bush league and it's amateur. Well, it would only be one game, but yeah, uh, I mean, well, I it's been but it's been since times. like since Caulfield's injury. Like they've had plenty of time yeah. to figure this out. But I mean, at the same time, like I, I fully understand why they're choosing to go this way. Like I don't Actually, think it, they would want. Evan to pick brings up, up a, a good of... point. They are L- LTIR, so it doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't actually um, accrue uh, their cap space. So my bad on that. I mean, Cap Friendly has them at. Uh, if you check their site, it has the Canadians at five point two eight million in deadline cap space. So it, yeah, they and they're going to be retaining. That's going to be their big, like uh, their big weapon at the deadline. Yeah, although I keep on hearing that they don't want to retain. 
I think so. they didn't want to retain earlier in the season, but at the deadline, that's where you do it for a one-year contract. That's fine, right? And you can have up to, yeah. what, two or three retains per year? Or, yeah, so that's... Uh... Oh, Jax brings up Riley Kidney. Whew. You know, okay, so first of all, tonight, rough game, but when we saw Owen Beck play well, you're thinking about the future. Lane Hudson, again, was producing. Um, Riley Kidney just had another multi-point game. He's up to like a billion points in very few games with the Les Olympiques that gets known. It's really fun to see. Sean Farrell had a four-point game the last time I checked, and I believe... I was going to say, Sean Farrell's the one we need to talk about. (laughs) Other than Ryan, I I think he's behind Ryan McAllister, who's going to get a lot of interest, uh, you know, as an unsigned, uh, as an undrafted uh, forward, and Adam Fantellini in terms of points per game. So Fantelli in terms of points per game. So I that's pretty darn he good. Passed McAllister tonight. So, okay. Well then, you know, cause he was at 1.5 at one point or 1.54. So right now with those four points, he probably jumped up to like 1.62 or something like that points per game. And with Sean Farrell, he's doing it on, he's doing it overtime three on three. He's doing a shorthanded power play. I didn't get a chance to watch the game tonight, but um, I, I, I guarantee Sean Farrell will be wearing a Montreal Canadiens Jersey, you know, by the end of the year, unless, Harvard somehow goes on this crazy run. But uh, yeah, Sean Farrell, we talked about Beck being ready. That's for the CHL players. In terms of prospects that are ready to go, it's Sean Farrell. He's just super smart as well. He's a very intelligent player. Yeah, and for some reason, always seems to be under the radar. You know, I know that he was drafted a few years ago, but Mm -hmm. kids had an incredible career everywhere he's gone. And I know people don't want to like lend too much credence to the Olympics uh, because there weren't you know, pro hockey players there from the NHL. Yeah, but there he were was pro the hockey players there from there, other right? leagues, and he was the best player on Team USA. And the youngest. And the youngest. And, like, the level of play in those Olympics is still higher than junior oh, or KHL or the NCAA. Like, it's well, maybe outside not KHL, of the NHL. But still, yeah, it's, it's very high. It might be higher than the KHL, honestly. I mean, more intense. That's yeah, for sure. I, as Jack says, yeah, I, I assume he's going to sign. Um, Evan, I don't know what's going on with Struble. I think that they're probably going to sign him. But, you know, health has been a bit of a question. And, um, you know, not having the greatest season, I'd say. I put it this way. Now, here's the thing is that I've only gotten to watch a, like a, a select amount of Northeastern games. So I don't want to start talking too much. But from the from what I hear, it's kind of up in the air when it comes to, uh, to Struble. And Meshaw... I don't know if you like, listen, I, I'm the biggest Philip Meshaw proponent out there, but let's be honest. He's struggled a little bit this season since coming back from the world juniors. Now he's tired. He's very tired. And it's his first year, you know, out of the country. Um, so we'll give him a little bit more time at his age. You probably want him in the AHL, but I know out of the three hundred percent Sean Farrell, the other two, you know, you're not sure yet. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Meshaw is going to the NHL in the next year. Well, it would be, it would be AHL, right? No, no, I don't. I don't even think that. Unless he doesn't get moved from Kitchener, because I keep on hearing that Kitchener is just a disaster. Like their yeah. coaching is abysmal. I'm surprised they went for it. I, okay, I, I got told by several people, and I know you as well, that Meshaw was getting traded. Yeah, because and then they and the Canadians wanted him to get traded as well. Yeah, and, and then they brought in Arcuri and a few other like, high end players, and it's just a bit of a disaster there. But you know, when you talk about an 18 year old player, that's only a point per game in the CHL. And that's your worry. It goes to show how strong, like, I don't think the Canadians prospect pool has ever been this strong in terms of just overall potential. Yeah. We, at one point there was the patch shredding Subban years. It was great. But right now I think you're, you're covering almost every area. Goaltending is a bit shaky, but Jakub uh, uh, Dobesh has been playing quite well. And uh, you have, you know, high end talent at every area. And that's fun to see. 
It is. It is. The, the Canadians have more decent level or higher prospects than they've had in a long time. And you have Lane Hudson, who's like a game-breaking potential. That's what they've always lacked, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. They've got a lot of players who can make the NHL in relatively short order. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Laval, if you've got to, tickets to Laval over the next couple of years, that's going to be a hot ticket, honestly. Maybe yeah. a hotter well, ticket than the Montreal Canadiens. Even year. like a guy like, I I actually have to check his contract status with Hogel, but uh, even Adam Enstrom is having just a, a fantastic yeah, year. And, and when you watch him play, Okay, when it, when I came into Dev Camp, I didn't really know who he was. Him and Piteri Normi, I wasn't sure. You know, I hadn't seen a lot of their games. But the first thing that stuck out from Enstrom is that this guy's skating on clouds. Like, he's just floating out there. So we talk about Lane Hudson having that creativity in the offensive zone. Watch Adam en- Engstrom. He's a little bit older. He just turned 19. He made his way into a professional hockey team at 18 on the top pairing. Just to give you an idea. Like, I know there's a ton of hype about Lane Hudson, but I don't put Adam Engstrom that far behind in terms of being NHL ready. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, Rock Smasher brings up uh, the the Florida win over Boston. Fucking Boston. You had one job. Like, you're basically <laughs> undefeated this season, and you lose your first back-to-back against fucking Florida? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Come on. And even what was it? They scored one of the best. I actually thought it was a really nice own goal. Like, that was high-end skill. Yeah. Um, Jax mentions Mayu better defensively. I'll say one thing, and... Because I know there's been, we've overanalyzed my U this year, I think. We're like way too much attention because there's been overhyping and then underhyping. It's just been this weird, like, but I will say that he is making strides, particularly when uh, in the neutral zone, just to, um, he was he was relying on, on pure skill, let's be honest. So his decision-making has been a lot better recently um, without the puck. There was one shift at one point where he made a bad decision and, and then the Rangers, or no, the Knights got stuck in their own zone for about a full minute. But at the end of the shift, he goes and he steals the puck, creates a controlled exit, controlled entry goal for London. So we saw like the yin and the yang for uh, Logan Mayu, but um, I don't know if he's really professional ready yet. But I will say his decision making has been a lot better. And that's the most important thing for him to transition to the NHL or the A. Yeah, I think the big thing about Mayu is people have to remember that this kid lost two seasons. Yeah, so it's not just development time. It's not just because of... um, the um, distributing uh, uh, the uh, pictures of a sexual nature. He also his shoulder the next year. So yeah. like this guy has very little development underneath him. And, and even though, you know, he's getting to that age where you have to talk about signing him for professional, you, you want to make him a long-term project. I think just because again, he has the two, he has the tools, the skill set. just, his decision-making isn't there. And like you say, man, like two years with what, 17 games, it's understandable yeah. why he hasn't really, you know, got up to up to par with the decision making. But it's well, getting better, though. It is getting better. I, I I put a focus on watching him because a lot of people have been complaining. Um, there's a lot of upside there. There's still some questionable decision making, but it's getting better. Yeah, I still see him as like it, the top end is like a Mike Commissaric type, honestly. But at the same time, no, 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 no. He's got we've he's got talked much better, much much better offensive instinct than Mike Commissaric. Like much better. Yeah. Defensively, maybe though. <laughs> Look at my my Commissarek's junior numbers aren't so bad, you know. Yeah. His his last year in New Michigan, thirty points yeah. in thirty nine games. Yeah, as so, Evan says, my U is signed, but it, it'll it'll slide there. So that's there's no risk. You just let yeah, the DLC it's, slide. It's I like Evan stuff. though. Did you notice Evan's coming up with all the information there? All uh, Evan's just knows the CBA by heart 
right now. And I love that because that's one of my least favorite things. So welcome, Evan. And thank you yeah. for all the information. <laughs> I will say, though, is in regards to Mayu, we've we talked a lot about the Canadians' development and their, and their focus on development. The statement, I don't know if it was out of context or whatever, but Frankie Bouillon, what he said a couple weeks ago, did not do Mayu any flavor, any favors. I'm sorry, but saying he said that Mayu was their most NHL-ready prospect. And I'm sorry, Frankie, because I know you played in the NHL. That's fucking dumb. That's fucking dumb. Like, not even close to the most NHL-ready prospect. Not even close. So that kind of statement is just way off the wall well, for me. That was it's my... the same stuff as like when Bergevin was coming out saying like uh, Romanov was going to be like the best player in the draft Bo- kind yeah, of thing. Bo- and, Bo- yeah. I, that is what I've been guarding against because again, there's been people that have been way too critical and then it, what happens is people overcompensate, right? Like going into the year, people are saying he's the best prospect they have. Defensive. Like, okay, in a, in a world where Lane Hudson doesn't exist, sure, you could argue about it, but uh, I feel like there's been overcorrecting on both sides. And I just don't give a crap. I just don't listen to that. To me, it's the progress he makes from game to game that's important. And I'll say this because I think it's important, especially, you know, given the subject, um, you know, um, trigger warning. I, I apologize for not giving it earlier. But what I will say is that I do believe in this particular case, what he did was terrible. And obviously, uh, you know, that's something that can't be done. And I'm glad that the attention was brought there. That's a standard we need to keep for every other player in the NHL. However, at this point, it's on the Montreal Canadiens, right? To just to make sure that he goes through the steps to, uh, to, to like, technically he's not even allowed to play in the NHL right now, uh, as Gary Bettman mentioned. So I do believe he's made an honest effort. Um, seeing from what I've heard and what I looked into, he has made an honest effort to um, kind of erase some of the ugliness that he put forth in the world. So it, they have to keep it up. But I will say at this point, it's more on the Canadians to make sure that he's on track, right? Well, and he has to follow through, and I've, oh, I've heard the yeah, same yeah, things yeah. that Absolutely. that he's doing the work, but at the same time, like I think we all the best case scenario for Logan Mayu is he becomes like this ambassador for like, listen, I screwed up, I learned from it. Hockey <laughs> culture needs to change to stop facilitating kids thinking this is okay. Will we get to that point? That would be great. Yeah, who knows well, I, though? Just- we're we're very early in the process. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just because there's a lot of people were comparing him to Mitchell Miller at one point. Now, I'm going to say like, yeah, it's not the same. Miller showed no regret, no remorse whatsoever. It was such a PR scam to get in. So it was, it was a very different situations. Not good by any means, but very different situations. Right. So, yeah. And as Noel says, you know, forgive me if I don't trust the NHL to do the right thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, you, you shouldn't. No, exactly. No benefit of the doubt there. And as Rock Specialist says, my you isn't our most NHL ready prospect from the 2021 draft. Why am I having a brain fart? Who am I thinking? Who's who's he talking about? I don't know. William Trudeau. <laughs> Twenty twenty-one. Uh, Riley Kidney, Oliver Kapanen, William Trudeau. Yeah, Joshua Wah, Xavier Simino. Oh no, he was there. Yeah, I remember because I wrote about him. So it'd probably be William Trudeau. And speaking of William Trudeau, um, he's been great for Laval and he was one of the guys that really like I was really impressed by his outing at uh, Montreal Dev Camp like he stood out as one of the best players um and I will say that um Trudeau right now like if you're going to call someone up uh, unfortunately Baudin is not doing great uh, or sorry he's injured and Leskinen it's been a rough year but Trudeau has looked fantastic and he's been on a heater and he's just one of those guys who how could I compare him? Like he'll almost have like a Stefan Rabida style career where he's never going to be in the top two or top four. But I think William Trudeau is going to have a very long NHL career because he doesn't make very many mistakes. 
And he tends to join the rush at the right time, which I think is so important for defensemen to know when you're making the jump from junior hockey to the pros, you can't rely on that skill level, right? So it has to come down to your computer. And uh, William Trudeau is is a rough start to the year, but uh, don't forget, he could be back in the queue right now. And uh, he's been playing really well for Leva. Yeah, I think this is a, a good point from uh, Rock Smash. It says comparing Miller to Mayu is massively downplaying what Miller did. Yes, yeah, that that's true, and uh, like not just in terms of the actual incidents, but people seem to ignore the fact that what Miller was doing was repeated for years, like targeted harassment and racism. Like it, it wasn't one event that got Miller kicked out of uh, the draft, essentially. It was repeated events, no remorse. Everybody no. else that he was associated with did show remorse. Like it, it was crazy. But uh, mm-hmm. we won't uh, stick too much. Oh, Josh Georges. Evans brings up Josh Georges for uh, Trudeau. Now that's, I'd say, he's a lot more offensively inclined, probably. Um, and um, I think he'll probably have just you know a little more flair out there. But Josh Georges, in terms of his career. That's a really good comparison for William Trudeau. You know, the defenseman that just seemed to like stick around at 5'6 for 15 years. That's what William Trudeau could end up being. And uh, we could have some great jokes too, because imagine when William Trudeau is going to be playing out West. You know what I mean? Or or, <laughs> or if William Trudeau scores against the Senators, think of the highlight of the <laughs> the titles we can have there. Trudeau, ignore the Senators once again, you know? <laughs> it yeah, a it's a weird one. And I know there's a comment in there asking about uh, Norlander. I mean, I don't watch... Laval, but uh, I I don't know what's going on with Norlander because I know he's an offensive defenseman. We know that he takes big risks defensively. He has a 1.7% shooting percentage this year, so that's got to be part of it. But man, when you're involved in a game where you're probably playing big minutes and your team scores seven goals and you get no points and he's got it's, eight points in 40 games of the season, like something's not clicking there. It, with it's, Norlander. And, and so I'm a huge he's not coming Norlander out of the booster. NH- I know you anytime. are as well. You're, you're a Norlander soon. booster. I, I'm going to say it's confidence hundred percent right now. And I'll, I'll, although a big part of it was that uh, concussion last year and you know, we can't, it's unfortunate, but it really did take something out of his game. So he's a little more hesitant. Um, it's really a confidence thing with him. And we saw him at dev camp because it was dev camp was set up for Matthias Norlander. Don't forget Gooley Harris, like all those guys jumped Matthias Norlander. You had Norlander and Leskinen. That that was it. Those were the two guys who were really at the front of the line. Right. So I think when you get leapfrogged by half the team's defensive prospects, that kind of hurts the confidence. And, uh, but he signed for another year. Right. So Norlander. Yeah. So you, you let him, let him cook in the AHL for a little bit and um see from there but it has been a really disappointing year for for norlander and i think he's the kind of guy that the canadians need so badly they need guys that can control the puck that can retrieve it quickly and uh generate x is kind of like what justin barron's doing so um we'll see next year but for now you just forget about this season it was kind of an awful one and uh restart next year yeah 100 percent all right, I think I'm going to pretty much call it there because this game doesn't deserve us talking about it too much more. <laughs> and we're we're running out of prospects to talk about. But yeah. uh, let's see here. Uh, one last comment. Jack Lucas says, is it me? But if Sens beat the Habs Tuesday, they'll be 24-23-3 and and we'll go into the All-Star 11-day break above 500. And that to me will be huge if that happens. Yeah. Jack, I don't know if you're a, a Sens fan. Sense but yeah. Yeah, I mean that's yo after that that disgusting start by the Sens, yeah, it's big. Yeah, I mean uh, the fact that they still have barely seen Josh Norris this year, like it's been a a tough year in terms of the Sens 
expecting it to be their year acquiring the blanket. And they the lost crucial players throughout. It's not just Norris. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they had Shabbat miss time. Uh, Zub. Yeah. Stutzla's missed time, but oh fuck, Stutzla's been incredible this year. Oh, he's gonna be a good player, isn't he? He's gonna he's oh gonna piss God. off guys for uh for a while. And I see that uh, Sanderson's been watching him a lot too. But yeah, no, it's, it's Tim Stutzla. Tim Stutzla is is fun to watch. Is very fun to watch. Absolutely. I think the Sens right now it's a matter of pride, right? Because yeah, it, it, well, here, we all said here's here's a good news for the tank. Sens win their next three games. They'll oh, be at creating space f- there. Yeah, fifty two games. They'll be ahead of the Florida Panthers at 52 games. Ooh, so nice. that's hey, that's what you po- want. Potentially, based on win percentage, if the Sens are able to do that, Detroit and Ottawa would actually have a better win percentage than Florida. That could bump them down two more spots. And those are crucial spots, right? Those are the difference between let's like like eight and and eleven. Like that's where that's where you usually have the cutoff at every year. Um, yeah, so so good, go yeah. here. Somebody's gonna clip this, but go Sens. Terrible. You can clip that for Charlie. I'm the Ottawa Mark. native here, but no, you know what? I, I actually <laughs> want to see them do good just because I think I feel like the fans have gone through just like so many rough patches with, with the old ownership and stuff. And now things are back on track. They should have been doing also, and I'll say this statistically speaking, other than the Florida Panthers, no other team has underperformed compared to their on ice results than the senators. Like they're, I believe they're top 10 team for expected goals for and high danger chances. So like statistically they should be way higher than the Habs. They should, but it's very funny that they're not, <laughs> All right, everybody, please. That's, uh, that's Andrew being nice to the senators. There, he's like, "Yeah, Stutzel is going to be good." Now, here are the things that I hate about. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, Jake be, Sanderson tonight with that Stutzel level dive was pretty hilarious. <laughs> it'll be great when they have a team downtown to La Breton Flats, and you don't have to take the ninety-five out to Kilimanjaro. You know, like Kilimanjaro, Ottawa is going to be a really great hockey town for a nice little future there. And uh, as soon as they sell it and get that built, so that that's exciting. As an Ottawa, as a as a person born in ottawa i find that's pretty darn exciting all right we're gonna wrap it there please like the stream uh and hey charlie uh, charlie's here yeah charlie's here charlie uh, if you want to go back and clip it i said go sense go so i'll say it again go sense go hey i, I have want a you to signed brad the marsh Panthers. jersey okay and but, we're, but okay Hull. mark i'm gonna i'm gonna end the stream now Jody god Hull damn it too. God we're damn it. Talk about old senators for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> no, we're not. Do you All remember right. Peter Sidorkovich? No, I don't. Pete. No one does. No one remembers anything senators before Eric Carlson, not even Daniel Alfredson. They're, they're <laughs> irrelevant. Anyway, we're closing up shop for the night. Thanks Saint for Saint watching. Jean. Sorry. <laughs> we'll see you again on Tuesday when we face the senators again. See you then. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.